What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy and Acton Academy Plaster. Today's guest is a buddy of mine out of the KC area. His name is Paul Carter. You might know him as Lift, Run, Bang. Uh, the man is a strength coach, an online coach. Uh, he's written for Teen Nation, Muscle and Fitness, Flex Magazine, Bodybuilding.com. He's the co-author of Maximum Muscle Bible. Um, the guy's created more programs in the last decade than than most people have ever seen their entire life. And the, the reality is um, he's so much more than just a wealth of information in the health, nutrition, uh, bodybuilding space. He, the guy does not hold back his opinions on everything from, uh, you know, how to how to work on on meat day and strength strength posts and, and and bodybuilding topics, but he goes into relationships, what it means to be um, kind of a man in modern times, and and just developing meaningful relationships overall. And and we definitely dive into that here. Uh, and uh, one of the most fun conversations I've had uh, in quite a long time, man. So I think you're gonna enjoy this with Mr. Paul Carter. What? And we will go live with my man Paul Carter, dude. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, you too, man. We've had uh, conversations before this, so it's uh, it's actually good to get a. I guess this is dating. Today. Yeah, this is dating now, huh? This is the this is the face to face version. Yeah, dude, we yeah we connected. Dude, it was over a year because I can I can literally picture exactly where I was. We'd gotten connected through um, through our mutual buddy Danny Vega. Danny Vega, right? Yeah. And Danny and Danny was on the on on the podcast a little while back too, man. We got connected through him, and and um, I remember Danny saying, "Hey, man, you know, you probably know who this guy." And I. I'd read a, a ton of your stuff, like a lot of your work with Teen Nation and, you know, and I'd read a bunch of your stuff forever. So I was like, yeah, man, I'm glad to connect. And dude, we jumped on the phone and I remember exactly where I was walking up and down this alley um, at our old school um, that was kind of looked like a crack house, sort of, but it was a great space. And I walked up and down and dude, we chatted for like two hours. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember that conversation really good because, you know, we talked about what you do for a living, going around doing, um, uh, you know, workshop speaking. Yep. Yep. Crowds, and I kind of pushed you a little bit out of that zone and, and to get you into what like what it is. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want you to do that because that's that's um, not that you're not great at that. Clearly you are. But I wanted you, you to, to when we talked about doing this with these workshop, these yep. workshops for men, I said, I want you to be able to show up really authentically about what it is that you're passionate about um, in your spiritual walk. Yeah. And, and it came out of you later and you were kind of surprised by that, too, at the time, I remember. It was cool, man, because you actually, it was um, just in the course of the conversation, we went into, it was really, um, ended up being kind of the foundational why behind both sides of my life, right? So I got the, the, the speaking part, and then we got the school, of course, we opened and, you know, and trying to uncover the hero's journey for all this youth. And you just kept kind of digging down into like, cool, man, but where did that foundation come from you? Where did that hero's journey come from you? And what did that look like? And do we, so this is our first time talking with this dude. Back to when you got in the fight at college and, Dude, and everything yes. and I'm like, okay, well that that's your warrior ethos. That's how it gets birthed. And so then what led you into like where how do I how did you end up finding Christ and how did you end up in your walk and that kind of stuff? And it, like there's a lot of stuff that came that was cool that came out of you in that conversation. You're like, man, I haven't untapped that stuff in so long. And forever. Dude, it was it brought me all back to like relationship with my dad and like it was i mean we really dude it was like the one uh it was one of the most intense end up being like this therapy session but not in like a weird it was great man and it was like talking to a dude that i've known forever and um so yeah it, it was cool man and that's one of the things that um you know i i'm drawn to 
um, people that are making, you know, not just a cliche, people that are making an impact in this world, but a lot of times I'm drawn to somebody that's also shifting the paradigm in a way where they're bringing something else that you wouldn't think. So like somebody looks at you and goes, okay, man, obviously good looking dude, big dude, yoked, yoked dude. And cool. And a lot of people will stop there. Right. And then you start to dive into Paul Carter and you go, man, the guy knows not just the physical fitness and the health and fitness world, but you're a phenomenal writer, right? You, you dive very deeply into relationships. We're talking about kind of a project you and Wellborn have going on. Right. And, and you're an all around, just super solid dude, solid dad. I mean, you've got so much more. And I love that. I love all those things about you, man. Man, I mean, when you turn on the charm like that, you really get my knees to <laughs> all at hey, once. Hey. I don't know. You have to give me a minute to let me take all that in. <laughs> <laughs> this is the payback, dude, for for uh, bringing up all that stuff, you know, from when I was younger, the first time we chatted. You me crying in the first 10 minutes on the yeah. podcast here. <laughs> um, you know, um, first off, number one, thank you for all that. That was uh, unbelievably humbling to hear. True, that true story. Um, I think the... I think one of the, the things that we, you know, we started talking about, we were talking, we were talking about, and you know, that's still such a big vision of mine is to get these workshops done for men Yeah. to do that unpacking, to do that real, to do that, that those, that deep dive and to get into kind of unpacking some of the wounds and hurts and injuries that we end up dealing with as men, um, learning how to develop, um, better coping mechanisms, learn how to develop better friendship connections, learn how to, to develop better relationship connections, learn how to um, approach conversations um, with a greater degree of love and connection and intimacy and, and all that stuff. And the, the truth is I still fail at times um, in being the best that I can be on those front too. And that's the, the part of personal growth. that's just kind of never ending. Yeah. As you, yeah. As you try to cultivate those those deeper, more meaningful, like, so those soul connective relationships, yep. as you go along, it's a when I say it's a never ending process. There's things about you as, that you'll learn that keep that kind of keep getting dug up. You're like, oh, I didn't know I needed to address that too. I yep. didn't know that this other person, when I talk to them that way, that kind of rubs up against some some things that they have going on and causes potential conflict with me and them. And I had this conversation with um, with a friend of mine who's basically been single for a couple of years, and she she thought like her personal growth was like in a really good good place, um, and that she was she's like, you know, I'm I'm the best I've ever been, whatever. And then she started dating this guy like a month ago, and that she's already back into feeling some of those old wounds. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's why I tell it was like when relationships exist to stretch us into uncomfortable places to continuously give us the opportunities to grow and improve ourselves, Thank but you. up to us on, as to what we're going to do with that time and with those experiences. Yep. Yep. That's it, man. And, and I, and, and I think you attacked that from a number of different angles so much and a lot of things that you post and videos that you post and, and um, articles that you write, you know, and you've even, I was going back and reading some old T-Nation articles and you, you eloquently are able to weave those um, relationship lessons in with life, with training, um, you know, and it, and it's, and I love that knowing, you know, I come from a place of wanting to serve these young men. And one of the things that, you know, we've talked about here, we're creating, you know, more and more campuses and one of the campuses that we're creating is what we're calling kind of this sheepdog campus, right? We want to create, well, kind of like what my, what my hat says that I'm wearing right now, right? The savage and the gentleman to have both of those sides 
of of young men and to develop both of those you know we've had ryan mickler on the podcast um you know order of man and, and speaking that jack donovan um you know and it's interesting to see how uh, you know guys guys like you guys like that that are bucking the trend of like look we are absolutely the manliest of men, but take a look at how we're approaching these relationships and being very thoughtful about that. And I absolutely think that's an imperative thing we need for these, for, for our youth. Oh, hundred percent. I love that, that the, uh, the sheepdog mentality, right. Yep. It's, um, is that, that was what originally, um, chivalry was right. Go look back at the, at the origins of something like chivalry. Like it was the case of defending, protecting the weak, those who yeah. took themselves. Right. But uh, and it's funny that you bring this up, and I think about developing the whole what I think of as like a really true honorable masculine identity has so many facets in, and um, that it's gotten kind of warped. And it's it's funny that you bring this up because Wellborn, John Wellborn, and I yep. just had this conversation the other day, and I said <clears throat> I read a lot of poetry. Yeah, and um, John does too. And we were I was talking about. I said, well, it's funny because if you say to like most what guys think of as like alpha males, which I really usually not, I don't necessarily like the term alpha male or beta male or whatever, but I think we kind of all understand from a, what the, yeah. What so, we're talking about. so like the, the kind of the fake alpha male, that red pill guy mm-hmm. gets tossed around a lot. I'm not really a fan of any of those because I think it kind of boxes you in. But I was like, if you start talking about reading poetry or whatever, um, the, all of the, the greatest poets of all time were all men, right? Like the people yeah, don't man. About that, like the, the greatest poets of all time were all men. Yeah. And if, go back throughout history and you start looking at different cultures, men cultivated this sense of honor and strength and all of those things in a very, in a much more complete kind of way, like able to express their people. When I was on Jack Donovan's podcast, you're talking, he's like, you got, oh, more, yeah. he said, you got more feelings than any guy I've ever known. I'm like, dude, I just have the ability to, <laughs> to, to emote those better. I think than a lot of dudes, but it's like, yep. when I do, I have so many guys that want to talk to me about those particular things. They don't always know how to express that. But right. going back to what I was saying, I think getting into this uh, development, like you're doing with the kids out there, and I know that's that's high up on the priority of work, really developing these well-rounded young men right. uh, that have a sense of honor, have a sense of virtue, that have a sense of principles and ideology that encompasses what it means to be a good man, right? Yep. And I feel like that, that comes back to embracing it's not, um, it gets misconstrued as like a feminine energy, but embracing the ability to, uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this too, the embracing the ability to say that you have these particular feelings or a certain situation and how it makes you feel a particular way, or that you have these wounds from things that happened to you growing up that create that framework um, that, that makes you believe that somewhere down deep inside that you don't deserve anything any better. And until we can get to the root of those things and learn how to express that these situations make me feel emptied or hollowed out or make me feel like less of a man, we, 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 we end up compensating with either anger or being vengeful or, or, or depression, which I mean, depression is like at an all time high and suicide is like through the roof. And I believe a lot of that is because most men aren't granted the opportunity to express those things, to cultivate those deep relationships with their feet, they feel safe to do that, right? right, right. And this is a huge part of what I feel like God is, has given to me, um, which I talked about, I was like, I, the, to me, like the, doing these, these men's workshops and conventions is still something I have. This, this year's absolutely thrown everything into it. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's definitely something I know we're gonna do. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I have a couple, it's, it's been really interesting. I have um, one guy, 
He's got a, an absolutely massive following, almost a million followers that I talk to on a consistent basis who's really just finding his walk right now. It's yeah. really, really been cool to be a part of with him. And um, he, I told, talked to him about doing the men's conventions. He was all about it. So cool. I feel like that the timing, anytime you trust in God's timing, it always works out the way that you want it to, right? And it absolutely will. It Even absolutely if you feel will. like you're like, you know, you don't feel like it's right. Um, as long as you're, but the places where you struggle the most um, is usually the places where you're trusting God the least, right? So, well, dude, and I look at it from, I look at it from, you know, a parent perspective and you've got girls and you're, you know, you can do the same thing. We can look at it from, from the dad perspectives and, you know, when our kids are two, three, five, seven, whatever, right. And, and they're fired up about something. They're like, man, you know what? I want this right now. And this is the way this should be right now. And we've got the perspective of, you know, however many years of experience in life and just going, look, we know what's, you're going to get that. Wait till tomorrow. To them, tomorrow is an eternity, right? And we're like, dude, just wait till tomorrow. That's when it's going to make sense and you'll be fine. And then when tomorrow comes and they get whatever this is, they're like, oh, okay, it wasn't that bad, right? We have that kind of perspective. And it's the same. It's, it's no doubt the same kind of thing, right? God's going, cool, man. You, you need to have this right now or to do this right now. Dude, I've got it covered. I know when the timing is. Like, just chill out. You know, you guys look like, we look like two-year-olds. Yeah, one of the guys that is going to be involved in the conference, I actually had a phone uh, that's going to be involved in the conference for sure. Yeah. I talked to you for like three hours last night, and he went through a terrible life storm about a year and a half ago. And um, I was there for him going through that. He lost friends. He lost business. He, there was a, just a multi, like his life just got turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone with him multiple times a week while he was going through this. And I talked about all the things that this was going to uncover for him in his life. And I said, dude, I said, if you handle this with honor and integrity and do all the right things, I said, you will come out on the other side of this. You'll be a better man for it. Your life will be improved for it. He could not, he was, you know, when you're deep, when you're deep in those valleys, whatever season you're in in your life, when you're deep in those valleys like that, it can be so difficult to grok or understand the concept of there being an ascension to something greater, sure. right? Sure. Like, it can be very difficult to really yep. embrace that belief. And we were talking last night and I said, do you remember me telling you a year and a half ago, your life will be, eventually this will pass your life will be better. You'll be a better man. I was like, but you've got to take ownership of where you're at right now. Why all these things happen, why you're here in this valley. Right. What being in this valley is trying to teach you about who you need to become in order to to ascend out of it, right? Yep. So this is a year and a half ago, and we're having this conversation last night, and dude, it's just so it was just so amazing because he said he told me he's like everything that you said has come to pass. Yeah. He said everything. He said my life is better now than it's ever been. Um. He's he's he has so much more empathy. Um. He, he's a much better connector. He's so much more grateful for the, the other thing that was interesting about it was he said, before all this happened, he said, I thought I had 300 people that would walk through hell with me. He goes, when in reality, what happened when everything come crashing down, he's like, it's like three. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. He said, but he goes, those, the people that stood closest to me during like, you know, during this walk, you know, um, he said, that that told me that these are the people in my life. These are the people that love me. These are the people that care about me. These are the people that are going when I'm weak and I can I'm I'm barely able to walk. That these are the people that are going to hold me up. Right. And, and 
dude, that is, that's an invaluable thing to know in your life, right? Sure. Like, sure. It really is, right? Sure, and sure. I absolutely feel like that God reveals these things. So he gives you right, these, what I feel like that these are these potentially sufferings. And maybe he doesn't, there's, a, there's always a debate about that. I think that we sometimes we give ourselves our own sufferings, right? But those no lessons, I believe that God wants us to know, right? Because we, we, you know, we open this door and we're like, well, man, it looks really shitty in there. Let me just step, step on in there and see what that's all about. And then we're like, whoa, it really is crappy. But we were the one that stepped through that door. Right. And, and, then, the, and then the problem is we don't pay attention the next time we come up and the door looks different, but it's the same freaking door. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what you're talking about as far as getting to the root of the problem in general. Right. We go back to that same door and it looks a little different. So we go, we walk right back through it again. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, oh, God, why, why are you putting me through this? And he's like, dude, it's the same door. Like, well, yeah. And then there's a flip side to that. And this was the one I've encountered, I encountered lately um, is that it's that, it's that you can keep going through the same valley until you learn the lesson. Or you can you can end up a lot of people ultimately can create those valleys. And I I found this to happen yeah. in relationships. For example, a lot of people's cognitive bias can be so strong yeah. that if somebody thinks, for example, and I'll just give an example, if somebody thinks they say you're a jealous, controlling, possessive person, then you have to be those things. They will they will do things to try to manifest that yeah. uh, behavior out of you. Because they have a cognitive bias from their own relationships and their own interactions and own things that took out of them previously yeah. caused emotional injuries or whatever, but they become very fearful that it'll happen again. And their cognitive bias becomes so strong that everyone is like this. Everyone's going to treat me this way. And then when you don't, they can do things to try to manifest that situation between you. It's kind of like if you, if you, if you are absolutely convinced your spouse is cheating on you, yep. you're going to find out they are. For sure. Right? If you're convinced that your spouse is cheating on you, you're going to find out that they are. Like any indiscretion that you can possibly hang your hat on yep. that proves to you, because we're not really truth seekers at our core. We're right seekers. We like to see what we believe is right. Right? Yeah. That's our cognitive bias can be so damn strong. And so I've encountered that too. And I realized just how, and that's another part I said about going into like these new seasons of growth in your life. And I think people need to try to be cognizant of is that whatever, whatever injuries happened to you before, if you have these really deep seated beliefs about situations or people and you're consistently trying, it's like the girl that says, I consistently find men who cheat, but do you know the guy's cheating or like, I'm sure there are instances, but if you're constantly picking people that cheat, is it possible that you're in some way picking those people and helping to manifest those particular situations. Or if you constantly find emotional abusers, right? Like that can be a wide range of things of what you consider emotional abuse, but are you manifesting situations that create that in your mind? Yep. Yep. So not just picking the door and saying, Oh, this is a different door with the same outcome, but also sometimes we be, we build and create those doors and step through them. So that's two parts of personal growth is opening the door and say, Hey, I know what that is in there. And I want to walk myself to a different outcome, so I'm going to avoid that door. And then the other thing is just not creating the same door over and over again to step through ourselves. Right, exactly. And then being afraid to walk away if you switch. Like you said, I love what you said. You know, we're not necessarily, we're not truth seekers. We're seeking what we already believe to be right. 100%. And so, and so then 
when we do go, okay, if there's an inkling of anything that goes, okay, ooh, maybe my worldview does need to change, we're also in this cultural issue where we then go, okay, if I do change my worldview, then I'm looking around and these 300 people that I have next to me that I think are going to walk through a fire when the reality is there's only two or three, right. if, I, if I do go the other way and change my mind on something, dude, I'm going to lose all 300 of them. So you know what? I'm not even going to speak up too. So we get caught in this catch 22 of, of not only do not want to seek the truth, but then if we do find something, we're like, ah, God, I'm going to lose all my friends with it, you know? And so, yeah, it, it's a, it's, a funky place to be man and i think we do that in more ways than i think we do that in more ways than one it's it's absolutely a form of consistent self-betrayal that's it is is that you know this truth that you want to live in your life but you're afraid to because of you also feel like that you need other other people to perceive you a certain way because that's where you're deriving your self-worth from yep so you wake up every day and you're like well i'm not really living in my truth but i'm getting validation and affirmation from other people that they like me for sure that more than I need to live in my truth because here's the thing it's like when you start living in your truth like what I was talking to him last night when you start living in your truth is that you're gonna lose some people yep start setting boundaries and you're saying hey this that doesn't work for me that's one of the phrases I teach my girls about boundaries is to just say hey that doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. let a person know that you know this is not a boundary but when you start setting those boundaries and you start actually expressing like your needs from either friendships or romantic relationships or whatever and that kind of stuff is you'll going to lose some people. Yep. And a lot of people are too scared because they become fearful that I'll either never have, you know, these kind of friends or people won't like me or I'm never going to find somebody that's going to, that's going to love me because I don't feel worthy. I think all of us to some degree do struggle with those particular demons, right? I think all of us at times feel may potentially go through the struggles and maybe feeling like we're not worth loving, that we're not, we're not good enough or that we're not valued enough. Um, that we that nobody understands us and nobody takes time out to really hear what it is um, that we have to say. And you get caught up in do if I'm getting enough existential validation that I think it can make up for that. But ultimately at some point, if you want to feel like the the truest, most uh, authentic version of yourself, you have to step into lean into your own truth of what it is that you want your life to be like, what your needs are, what your boundaries are. And like I said, what that does, it does you a favor. It clears out the people who are not in alignment with that in your life. And people who are in alignment with you are going to be like, man, I got you. I hit you through this. And those are the people you need. And then as you go along, as long as you continue to live in that truth and don't continue the self betrayal, then you'll find more people who are like, yeah, dude, I'm on board with you. And then you'll find good romantic partners and, people who want to commit to you. And then you, when you have good boundaries, you also tend to respect other people's boundaries well too. And they feel respected and they feel heard and those kind of things. So these are, this is kind of the overall ethos that I've talking about. When I talk about warrior DNA and like, it's an all encompassing thing of these things being for men. And like, I feel like women probably get a little bit more, it's a little easier for them to do some of this stuff because it feels like it's more socially acceptable for women to have that broader emotional footprint. Whereas a guy, the only things that tend to be acceptable are sports, um, anger, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think like anger and then how to be, you could be happy. The only time you could be sad is if your dog dies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If your team loses, you could be pissed off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a range of emotions that appear to be like the most acceptable by the majority of and it's all that surface level stuff, which you and I both know doesn't ultimately lead to what we're talking about with this is peace, man. It's peace. It's the great study out of Harvard, my favorite study to reference with that, and it's a 75-year study. It's a longitudinal study 
that looks at like what is the most uh, what's the most connected in our life to giving us a high degree of fulfillment? What actually connected to not just long life, like long, like literally living a long time, yeah. living a long time with a high degree of life satisfaction. Yeah. Over seventy five years, they were able to boil it down to the fact that the more loving and connected relationships that you have, yeah. the higher quality of life you're going to feel like you led. And a lot of it starts with the love of your mother, right? It's so important you think about it as a guy, like as a guy, like the love of your mother. Yeah. If you have that and you understand what it feels like to, to give and receive love um, from a woman, right? Yeah. This is a huge part of the nature nurture thing. Yep. And to understand that concept and then be able to, to love a woman properly, because that's where you're going to learn it from, right? You love a woman properly. Not all of I mean, your father teaches you that too, but is to be able to connect in that way and to have those meaningful relationships. It's uh, a lot of guys don't understand, like we kind of crap on marriage now. Like yeah. I yeah. one day, absolutely. And I think a society is taking a crap on marriage, but you can literally go look at the studies on marriage. The guys that are married live longer, have higher degree of quality of life, like literally medically. Yeah. And then yeah. the other thing is have a lower degree of stress. And then people will argue with me on this. And like, well, that's not true. I'm like, no, it actually is true. They did a stress test on single people, uh, people in relationships, people that were cohabiting, and then married people yeah. in an electric shock stress test. The people who were there, okay, so the people who suffered the most, <laughs> the most anxiety, you know, they looked at physiological readings, yeah. were single people, of course. So I guess it yeah. makes sense. Shocking. The people who were there with their spouse, their spouse was allowed to hold their hand, had the least amount of stress. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting part. People say, well, marriage is just uh, is institutionalized. It's just yeah, a legal contract, right? Yeah. It's a contract. Here's the cool part. Your brain recognizes that. Your brain actually recognizes the social construct of marriage because people who were in relationships or cohabitated together, they still had higher degrees of st stress, way higher degrees of stress in the shock test than they were married. So your brain actually recognizes that this is a higher degree of commitment, that this person is going to really be here with me when I, when I suffer. So you think about that. Like your brain is smart enough to know this person has made a next step commitment to me. Yep. That matters more than just living with me or yep. just my boyfriend and girlfriend and your brain recognizes that and reduces your levels of anxiety. I that's love beautiful. that. I think that's I love, that. I love that. And and the juxtaposition of that for those guys that are and man, I've got, you know, a group of buddies and we talk about that. And there's, you know, some that are married, some that are not, and some that are like, you know, man, the, I'm down for the cohabitation because, you know, 50 percent as if it's like a coin flip, right? Like you don't have any control over it. 50% of these relationships, you know, are gonna end in divorce and I'm gonna lose all my stuff and everything's gonna get taken with me. You're using that as an excuse not to commit. So inherently what happens is there is you're 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 capping that level of intimacy. I mean, you're automatically capping it because you're not extending to that level. And that physio, I mean, that study physiologically is showing that. Everybody can tell me that that's the point. <laughs> stepping yeah. into marriage is you actually, they're making my point for me. So you're stepping into marriage is saying, I'm, I'm making a next step, a next level. You know, I want to level up in my, my ways of commitment here. Yeah. So you can't have it both ways. You can't understand that, um, that marriage is going to be a next level step of commitment and then also say well there's no difference right your brain actually recognizes yeah, the your brain knows what's going on yeah, yeah you're not your, brain, going your brain knows it, that yeah. it does so uh and i think that's another thing dude i would love to bring back the um the idea of the sanctity of marriage and how valuable here's the thing that really 
really gets me is that most guys, they haven't looked at this stuff, so they don't understand the value that marriage brings to us and a huge part of why I believe that uh, married guys, and they'll say, well, it's only good married men. Like they didn't even ask if they were good marriages. And when you go look at the studies, it was just married dudes. So I don't yeah. know great marriages yeah, not how the relationship was right. but yeah that it would probably help but um and one of the reasons a lot of psychologists or therapists believe that that it makes such a profound impact is that we tend to be able to connect and express ourselves and those kind of things better with a woman that we love and we're connected to than we are with dudes yeah. we feel like that we can express some of those things now yeah i can sit down and talk to my my buddies um you know, about things I'm struggling with, about things I'm battling with, about the fact that I may be going through some heartache or whatever, and that kind of stuff. But it's not the same as when you're in love with a woman right. and you you share your, day, your life with her each day yep. and you share all the things that you're struggling with, you're going through, and you just connect with her because she, you, you, women nurture, are going to nurture you in a, in a way that feels better. Yep. That's why when, when, you, when you bang your knee up when you're a kid, man, you don't go to your dad to get hugs, you go to your mom, hey, mom. Yeah. right? That's yeah. that, inner, that inner child in you that yeah. still craves that nurturing, right, from the female. So I really believe that we need that to, to kind of expand um, as males, right, to be able to have that, to connect in with that. I think that's why that a lot of guys that are single and isolated and stuff like that suffer and end up in depressions. You know, we see a rise in suicide. I just had a friend, you know, that committed suicide this past week. So and every time that comes up, I think about these things, right? It's like, I don't know... Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know that people end up suffering from clinical depression. It could be a chemical imbalance, but guys can clearly get into places of severe isolation where they're in a really dark place and they just don't see any way out of it. I mean, for sure. And that's, and I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that for example, like that either, you know, having a, a really good woman in your life or being married or anything kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's going to alleviate all those problems because Clearly it doesn't, but I'm saying yeah. I think that it's one of those things that it's kind of like getting out and exercising and eating good food yep. and that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of things you can do to give yourself a fighting chance at having a higher quality of life. And I think seeking out good romantic partners and cultivating good romantic relationships will be that with big like, part of that. Strongest tools that you have in your toolbox. Well, and I think the rise of so gentlemen you mentioned earlier, right? Jordan Peterson too. I mean, just seeing his kind of rise to popularity. I think a big part of that is the the fact that you know, what we're seeing is kind of this cultural shift back towards where guys are going, man, I actually kind of need this. I need to dive into this ethos. I need to dive into my, you know, kind of these hierarchical needs that I have. And, and I don't really know, I haven't really found any place to connect to that for whatever the myriad of reasons, you know, absentee father. I mean, there's a million reasons we can probably go down, um, you know, to try to discern why that is, but culturally we're obviously facing this. And I think that's why guys like Jordan, and I think his, actually Michaela's on the podcast later this week. His daughter is coming on, um, I think, in a couple of days. So be interested to chat with her, too. But I think that's why, um, you know, we're seeing a rise in, in a lot of what he's talking about, man. People are resonating with that. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a really cool time because before really just my own personal observation um, is that Jordan has been such a, a dramatic voice mm -hmm. for being that intellectual male yeah. um, kind of into the fold again, right? Where yeah. it's like. Or it's like when they talked about, you know, toxic masculinity, um, you know, it's just basically there's a lot of chest beating. Yeah. And I think that's such a wrong way to approach it. And kind of the way that I approached it was, I think, similar along the lines uh, of how Jordan did. It's like to me, it's like um, real masculinity is made up of a specific subset of virtues. Yeah. 
and it's like a cake. It's, if you're going to make a cake and you need these ingredients and all you have to have those exact ingredients and in certain amounts, and you put all those things together and whisk yeah. it up, bake it at a certain temperature and all that kind of stuff, you get a cake, right? But if you remove certain ingredients or you bake it too long or whatever, if there's a, something wrong in the process, you don't end up with, it's not a cake. It's, yeah. something, it's just a mess. Yeah, it's something right? wrong. Nobody's going to look at it and go, that's a cake. So um, to me, it was a similar. It's once you start removing specific virtues, right? Because to me, masculinity is like, is something that's created. Yeah. It requires that subset of virtues. Yeah. And once you start removing virtues, it's not masculinity. And so good. Like, and it's I, so good. And I love the analogy to the cake baking too, because sitting here making me think, I remember going over to some friend's house um, years ago, shout out to Omar and Stephanie, man. And my wife and I went over there and, and the two of them and Stephanie had made us these cookies and uh, after, you know, a after dinner. And so we started eating these cookies and I took a bite and I'm like, uh, uh, oh, this tastes like dog shit. You know, I'm like, this, uh, what's going on? And I kind of, you know, give the little look to my wife, like, am so I, am I, the thing is, like, you, when you take a bite of a cookie in your mind, because you've eaten cookies before, you know what a good cookie is like, right? right? Right. So when you, and I think Jack Donovan, he made a point about this too. He said, you can't always put your finger on maybe the exact traits of when you're around like masculinity, but you kind of, you kind of know it when you're around, when you feel right, it. Right, right, right. And like a cookie, like you take a bite of a cookie, if you've had good cookies before, and then you take a bite of a cookie that's not a good cookie, it's you're off. Like, you're like, what the hell? Yeah, totally, man. Totally. It was vastly obvious. Right. And you're like, I don't know what that is, but it's not good cookies. Right. And so what had happened there is not just the absence of something, right? Because I remember looking at my wife and just kind of giving her the look like, am I tripping right now? Or is this, is she trying to kill us or what? And I remember my wife looking and being like, eh. and luckily Omar said, he's like, dude, what happened? You know, right here. And so we had figured out that she had put a little salt and then however much sugar, a cup of sugar or whatever, she had done salt again. So she'd put like a cup of salt in there, right? So not only had she omitted one virtue of the of the cookie she had actually interjected the wrong virtues uh as well right and that's another thing culturally we're battling as well is that interjection of the wrong virtues and the touting of the wrong virtues and it's creating a whole host of of a hot freaking mess of a, of a problem you know i mean that's uh exactly it's something we're battling on a, on a daily basis, you know, here with, with, uh, with these kiddos. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of what I, I, you know, I try to get at is like, I think that we all, there's times in our life where depending on the situation or what we feel flooded by or triggered by, it's that we can potentially lose the ability to stay emotionally centered yeah. and continue to work from a place of those particular virtues that we find honorable. Right. 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 That's when we find that something is bringing out um, dysfunctional traits um, or when we're not really act, like we're not acting like good men. For sure. That's the part of the healing part that you have to get back to is For like, sure. what is it that's deeper down in there that I need to unpack to get to the root of so that it's whenever those situations arise, I'm still probably going to feel those things. But I, I have I'm disciplined enough now and I'm self-aware and have a higher degree of consciousness of that I can walk myself to new outcomes in my life. Bingo. Bingo. So you obviously have this growth. You've got this growth mindset and whether it's been something, you know, we said nature versus nurture, something you developed or something that um, has kind of been de developed with you. You've obviously taken that into a number of, of arenas. You know, you're able to, to speak very eloquently towards kind of the relationship arena working in there. Obviously, health and fitness has been a large part of, of who you are and what you do. And, and if anybody, you know, 
that's listening has not read um, some of your articles uh, and some of the things you have written. Into, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal stuff. I go back through your articles and I read them two or three times because there's just, it's a, there's different layers of not only just what you're talking about, but again, it transcends and, and usually not just training, but it kind of goes into kind of life in general, right? So going along this journey as you got into this, who, who's kind of been like the inspiration for you whether this is when you were younger and these were the guys that you're kind of looking up to and kind of shaping that path maybe it's somebody that you've got right now that you kind of look up to but that's really one of the first questions that that's on here is who are, who are kind of the people that you look towards um and go man i i like what they're doing and i want to kind of own a piece of uh, of that of that mentality yeah and i think the last few years like we've already mentioned a lot of that has been the work that um that jordan peterson yeah has done and then for a long time definitely John Eldridge um yeah wild at heart yeah wild at heart and like I think that that should regardless if a guy is is has a spiritual life or is yeah. that's to me that's like a must-read book for all men yep right like it's such a it's such a must-read book for all men in terms of like finding themselves and, mm-hmm. and learning kind of these concepts that we're talking about like unpacking your problems and learning how to live in your truth and those kind of things and um so I I think it would be um, those would be two lately, a guy that I've really, uh, the, the two pastors that I follow, uh, Stephen Furtick's one, Furtick. yep. yeah, Furtick and then Craig Rochelle. And yep. so to those two guys, I really love because they do also do a really good job of what I consider bringing in, um, really good, legitimate, um, what we know is of like psychology and with how they approach, um, like their, their, uh, theological teachings too. Right. Right. I really love how they do. So if I was like right now, especially where I'm at in my life right now, those would probably be the guys I feel like that are probably most influential in terms of that we're just talking about life in general. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, do you feel like, you know, and this is another one of those kind of uh, those manly virtues. And I love that we're talking about virtues too. I got to talk or a, a phone call tomorrow with uh, Tim Kennedy. Um, you're familiar with, with him and we're talking kind of about the sheepdog campus. And uh, of course he has sheepdog response that that's his organization. And that's kind of what we're focusing on is kind of what are the virtues, um, you know, that, that kind of define a man that we can help develop, um, these young men. And, and so one of the things that gets kicked around a lot is the topic of self-confidence, right. And what that means. And I know that's a very, can be kind of this esoteric sort of thing altogether, but, um, you know, do you consider yourself somebody who is self confident and if so is that something that took a while to develop what does that kind of journey of self-confidence look like for you i would say and one of the things i think about being trying to be transparent and and transparent and authentic in who you are is to acknowledge the fact that i think all of us struggle at times with certain degrees of self-confidence at in, in different areas of our life right and i think one of the things that i've really found to be true is that when you Finding a degree of self-confidence usually comes back to um, number one, understanding that you can't know everything and that it's okay to either ask for help Mm -hmm. or or have um, a high degree of hunger for learning and improving. The other thing is just totally really being okay with who you are and where you're at right now. And the more that you need, we talked about this earlier, the more validation that you tend to need from the external world, the more lacking that we'll tend that we we'll tend to find that we are, yeah. and our degrees of potential self confidence. So, I think there's a there's a definitely a, a high association with self confidence. Will often come back to um, how it is 
that we view ourselves and how it is that we view the outside world, the outside world being everybody else. So if we tend to have a very good perception of ourselves, we see ourselves as honest, that we see ourselves as having good boundaries, that we see ourselves as being able to express ourselves in a way that it doesn't matter if anybody else gets us, but I know that I'm consistently living in my truth of right. that. I think that self-confidence is something that tends to manifest Mm-hmm. depending on kind of where we're living in at that time. Yeah. But also it's like how you view, when I say how you view the outside world, a lot of this ties in with attachment types. So um, if you consistently view the outside world as uh, better than you, uh, anxious attachment types tend to suffer from this. If you, if you view the outside world as better than you and you don't really have a high degree of like, like confidence, like that you constantly find that you feel better when the outside world validates who you are. Yeah. But people who have like avoided attachment types, they would tend to view the outside world as not being trustworthy, as not being good. That's not a good place to live either. They'll have a high degree of like how, how they see themselves, but that's not necessarily self-confidence. Yeah, no, that's, that ends up being more of an ego kind of deal. The ego, leaving out of ego, right? And you all often end up living in a high degree of what I'd consider uh, not a, a not high degree of fulfillment in life because um, yeah. you, your needs can constantly be met by you. And that's just not the way we work. We were terraponding species, right? Right. Right. So uh, I think that a lot of it comes back to living when you talk about living your truth. And that's kind of the thing that I, definitely where I've been at lately is living in your truth. Yeah. Is that your self-confidence will often be derived by how true that you're staying, staying true to yourself. What is that, you know, conceptually about what you need in this life? What do I need? What do I need to feel like I am consistently living in my truth as far as like, what are my boundaries? And if I have a romantic partner, do I express my needs? And if they, they're not meeting my right. needs, I'm willing to walk away from these relationships that are unfulfilling to me. Right, right. I think self-confidence ends up being dictating those things and those things, how much we're willing to act on them, give us our sense of self-confidence too. Because yeah. if you're willing to walk away from something you know is not good for you, yep. even if it hurts, yep. like, you know, like later on when your life improves, and it generally will, yeah. And you have a self, a higher degree of self-confidence about those situations that are not for you. So some of it just comes through your experience. Too. Yeah, you can go back to that cookie jar and say, "Look, this was that was a tough time, and I pulled myself through that time." Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And and uh, I think C.S. Lewis says, "You are what you believe you are," and it kind of goes back to some of the stuff that you were talking about earlier with relationships and and. You know, the fact that sometimes if you're in this place of hurt, you know, you're, you're projecting, uh, well, this guy's going to do this to me. This guy's going to do this. And you kind of project that. A lot of times we project that kind of stuff on ourselves. So if we can get back to those values and go, look, I am a person who is honest. I am a person with integrity. I am a person. If we can focus ourselves on the values that we know are solid human traits, um, you know, eventually, like you said, you can manifest and, and make sure that's, that's really kind of your personality. So is there anything that still kind of gives you anxiety and that's a big you know it's a big question for for the youth and and um you know around around anxiety and dealing with anxiety and what that looks like is there anything that still kind of that, that still kind of bubbles up for you that's that's consistent? Oh, gosh, yeah, man I, I you know that's the thing i was talking about earlier i said uh one of the things about personal growth is the discipline the the the, the whole point in my opinion of, of personal growth and personal development all those things yeah. is that the things that give you anxiety yeah make you feel flooded and push you off center. It's potentially, they never go away the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Those are emotional injuries that occur when you're young and tend to create that, those neural pathways that you have. So when a situation happens, like it bring lights those areas up in your brain and you feel that all over again, you're not always even aware that that's why you're feeling the way that you are, but that's what that is. So 
the situations that the reason why we often end up in anxiety is not a situation. This is important for people to understand, but how that situation makes us feel. And that's our own perception about life and what we've experienced. Right. So you take 10 people and you put them in the same situation, four of them might have a tremendous amount of anxiety and six of them might have none at all. Yeah. But it's, but here's the thing that you have to understand about that. It's not the situation. Yeah. It's how you perceive the situation. Right. And it's not important to try to get to a place. And I think a lot of people try to do this is they're like, well, I don't want to have the anxiety. I think what's important to understand is simply how you're managing your reactions and your actions and the outcomes to those situations so that you can achieve a better outcome in your life that you want. Exactly. That's it. That's the whole kind of modern stoic philosophy, right? The whole Ryan holiday, you know, kind of deal. Cause you've got right. that hot water and the hot water is either going to, you know, it's going to soften the potato or it's going to harden the egg. And, you know, and again, the water is not changing. It's just the reaction to it, you know, and it's, it's that, it's that very thing and that very understanding that you get to pick what that reaction looks like. Right. And, and I think that's a concept that is really important for um, guys to uh, understand is, for example, when a guy feels really angry or upset, he wants to lash out like that, he's going to do damage, right? If he's got a romantic partner, he's got kids, he's got, you know, friends or whatever, in a situation, it's okay to step away and do some self-soothing, right? And, and say, let me come down. And you might still be angry, but simply being able to express what you feel I, I tell people it's okay to say, I feel and express what you're feeling and then say, I feel. And then because like yeah. way to manage your anxiety or to manage your, what it is that you're dealing with and just say, I feel because, and, and then that at least gives your brain, it makes your brain process what you're feeling and potentially why you're feeling. And it could be deeper, but the whole point is at least it's a, a solid first step yeah. to manage the outcome because yeah. you can't always necessarily you, you can't change necessarily how a situation makes you feel. So your goal is to manage that the, you're getting outcomes that you want more often than not. Yep. That should be the goal. It's not saying I don't want, I'm not going to have anxiety right. anymore. Like right. the goal is to be able to say, I feel this. And then I'm consistently able right. to create um, this outcome. I'd be responsible for my words and actions so that the outcomes I get are more to my liking. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So how does the physical play into that? And that's that's one of the questions they have on here. Now, obviously, the physical component has been a huge part of your life, um, you know, and and there's not a lot of people in, in health and fitness that um, I would say have the, the knowledge base or the experience that you do. And obviously, you're you're living that. So how has that kind of played in um, to, to tying in? Obviously, you still continue to be physically active. And um, how has that played into kind of the understanding of all of this that we're talking about? Um, I think definitely when I was younger, uh, I, when I was, when I got started lifting, I, I was, uh, I was like 14 and I was yeah. in a really, I was in a really try, a trying period in my life. Uh, my best friend just got killed. My parents had divorced at that time and being able to lift and put my energy into that. And one of the things I'll say about lifting is, especially when you're in those newbies or intermediate, intermediate stages, the one of the things that I found out of it was that the more I put into that, the more I got back out of it in terms of like physical development, which made me feel better about myself. Right. So I think developing, um, using like physically developing yourself, I think it's such a, it, it can, it can be such a huge thing for men as long as it doesn't become a, a particular crutch. Right. Where guys end up with body dysmorphia, where they find that degree of growing muscle and that they derive yeah. all of their, their sense of self-worth or identification or confidence or whatever, yeah. by how much muscle they have. And mm -hmm. I fell in that trap 
uh, for quite a few years where it's like I need to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And thankfully it ran its course for me, but there's, there's guys that, that can, that can go through that for their entire life because they kind of never end up just kind of becoming okay with who they are as men. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was getting back to. talking about being able to talk about and cultivate and, uh, those, those other parts of your life. Um, that allow you to feel like you're a little bit more complete person and you can yeah. express all these different things that you feel and that kind of stuff. But from a, the physical development standpoint, what, what was it? Was it, uh, was it Socrates who said uh, that? Dude, I'm trying to think of the exact, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, I know exactly like, what you're talking about. Dude, I was sitting here going, man, I think I need to look it up. Was it Socrates that says that or is it Plato? I'm trying to remember how he says it, talking about the men's feeling themselves. About how um, something like, what is it, how it's a, a man should what's the quote I yeah, something like, along the lines of of uh of life being you know the the paraphrasing is something along the lines of life being wasted if you don't get to see you know the 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 physical capabilities you know what you know kind of test yourself and see what a physical body is capable of. it's a disgrace to grow old um, through sheer carelessness before seeing what manner of a man you may become by developing your bodily strength and beauty to their highest limit. There you go. Uh, or no man. Oh, here it is. Here's, here's the, the one we're looking for. No man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of yes. physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable of. And I totally agree with that. Yes. That's that idea, the ideological concept, right? Is that, there's something or there's something that should be innate in us as men yep. to not be like sloppy couch potatoes yep. that, you know, that, again, that comes back to the whole warrior DNA concept yep. the warrior ethos is that we should not uh, want to be like, you know, even when I was at my strongest and I was, you know, bench pressing close to 500 pounds and deadlifting 725 and overhead pressing almost 400, all those kind of things. Like I wasn't in shape. I was big. Right. I was really big and I was really strong, but man, if somebody asked me to run a, a you know, 400 meter sprint, like I died, I literally died. I couldn't walk across a parking lot. <laughs> and now like I've been able to, through getting back to all this stuff now, because of all those years is that I kind of have that, what I consider like, like at 45 now, no less. Yeah. Kind of that range where like, dude, I can go and I can do sprints all day. Yep. I'm still really like really strong um, in, a, in a lot of my movements that matter, like my back work and stuff like that, but I'm in good shape. Um, and I'm still like, I'm not tiny. Like I'm not, I'm not 290 pounds anymore, but yeah. between 240 and 240, 245 and 250. Um, I can't even get smaller. <laughs> I've been trying to get smaller. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah, and I agree with that. I think that a huge part of the masculine identity is embracing that, the hard, right? And it's what is hard in life to help sculpt us and mold us physically too, right? I think yep. that's a huge part. Um, and I, the, the better that you feel physically, I think the, the better that you tend to handle life, life, ecstasy, stress, right? Yeah. Like, absolutely. No doubt about it, man. And, and you're right. The heart is there to, the heart is there as a, you know, it's a gift. It's, it goes back to that Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. I really think that is a gift um, for, for all of us, really, but especially for young men. And so speaking, of, so, and so this is a good segue into really kind of, and it shifts a little, but talking about hard and hard work. Um, what would you want to see? So, you know, if we got somebody coming directly out of high school, maybe, or they're coming directly out of college and they're coming to you and they're like, hey, Paul, man, I want to work for you. 
I want to work for you. I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. And, uh, you know, I'd love for you to take a chance on me and hire me in whatever capacity that could look like that could provide value to you. What are you looking for from that young person that would make you say, all right, you know, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a go. Man, that's uh wow. I haven't really gotten to a place where I, I thought about that because with the train heroic stuff and the application we're doing with training stuff, like I hope that it gets to a point down the line where I could have just hand hand stuff off to coaches and ability like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think that like a huge part of it would be somebody's kind of their uh, their that they have a high degree of aptitude for just uh, like learning. Number one, yeah. You know, and then the other thing would just be that they're they're they're, kind of, they're incredibly passionate. Like some people ask me at times, they're like, I've had people ask me like, how do I do what you do? And I'm like, do you love writing? Right. If they don't love writing, they can't do what I do. That's right. Yeah. Like just it you know? automatically. Yep. It's like I can't. They're like, but I can write. I'm like, but do you love it? Because you're gonna have to right. do a lot of it. And right. If you don't love it, you're not gonna do a lot of it. So it all depends on what kind of what's driving that. And. Um, Number one is like, is somebody open to learning and does somebody have a, a high degree of passion? Uh, you know, are they reliable? Are they respectful? You know, it's, it's yeah. I think it's kind of like we talked about masculinity earlier. I think when I'm around the person, I, I think I'm going to know more yeah. about Because yeah. yep. There's sometimes there's just no mistaking energy in a person. Yep. yep. There's just yep. so much sometimes you can read about energy in a person and, oh. and, the other thing is like just personal ownership. How do they, how do they wake up and show up every day? And what is it that they take responsibility for? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know like necessarily that I've, I've cause I'm not in a position yet where that's, that's kind of um, come to the forefront of my life and um, where I'm having to think like if I were bring in like young people uh, to run a particular part of my business, like what is exactly I'd be looking for in this person and, you know, I think it'd be those things like a young guy that I would probably see that I, I feel like I see some of myself in yeah. that has a degree of passion for doing this. Right. And, you know, wants to get better, wants to help other people get better, uh, has a, you know, wants to teach, wants to connect with people, loves connecting with people. Yeah. Thing. Because yep. that's a huge part of what you consider any type of coaching is how well you connect with people. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I, I mean, I absolutely have to agree. And, and, you know, as somebody who has a number of, of employees, that is a big part of what I look like. There's the old adage of like, uh, you know, people want to work with who they know or something like that. And I'm like, dude, it's people want to work with who they like. Um, and, and, you know, that's a big part of it. Dude, you're spending a lot of time with these people. You're spending a lot of hours with those people. How, how, well, do you, how, well, how well can you connect with people? Yeah, you, uh, Dwayne Johnson had this, uh, I was watching his, he, he's been doing his IGTVs, you know, during this whole quarantine thing. Mm -hmm. Really good lesson that him impacted me a lot. And I, this is a great example of that. And he's talked about when he was in his twenties, he was already really famous and it went, people wanted his autograph and you know, he's been dealing with that almost his whole life now. He's yeah. almost 50. And um, he said he was always happy to do it. But then one night he was at dinner with his wife, who's ex-wife now, but yeah. was, uh, he was at dinner and he could, he see that he could see this young couple trying to work up the nerve to come over and talk to him. And they finally did. And they brought their menu with them because they didn't have anything else for him to sign. And they walked up and they're like, we're so sorry to bother you. So sorry to bother you. And they're like, we just, we, we know you're having dinner. We just want to know if we could get your autograph. And he, he said, yes. And what he said was, he said it was how I said yes. And he said, he was like, yeah, 
And he said he watched them go from excited and nervous and kind of giddy to just, they just kind of wilted, right? Yeah. Felt that. yeah. Yeah. It accentuated he that. Said, no, no. Cause they were like, Oh, we don't want to, you know, bother. And he's like, no, no, sit down. And he said, he sat there after he said, after they walked away from the table, they were just like, we're sorry we bothered you and so forth and so on. And he said, man, that cut him deep. He said, I had three seconds right there that I could make somebody feel good or make somebody feel bad. And I chose to make them feel bad. Yeah. And when you talk about connecting with people, when we have interactions with someone, we get the same choice. It's like we have a moment where we can connect with someone in a way that makes them feel good in that moment, or we can connect in a way that makes them feel bad. And that's a really, now here's the thing ultimately, and I'll agree all the the philosophical bullshit about like, we we're not supposed to take things personally or whatever, but human condition things, when we interact with people, there's an energy that we exchange and there's a way that we feel and the way that they feel, and we can make each other feel either good or shitty or whatever. And ultimately I feel like it comes back to that is like, you want to work with people who are like, man, I love getting up. I worked with a guy for, for eight years when I was at USDA that I loved sitting across from every day because we yeah. had such great conversations and we yeah. laughed and joked. And that is immeasurable. Yeah. Like I stayed at a crappy job longer than I wanted to because I loved working with him. Yeah. And when you talk about what are you looking for in a person you're looking for people that can connect with people, make them feel good about those interactions. Like that is immeasurable. So good, man. So good. It, it, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's beautiful. I think that's very, I think very powerfully put for somebody who says not at a point of scaling and having to hire. I mean, I, I don't think I could have said it any better. And, and um, you know, during this whole quarantine thing, don't tell anybody, but we've been having our staff meetings over at my house. Um, you know, and having everybody over there and man, you know, our staff meetings are the meeting part of it. It's whatever, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe it's an hour. And then we're hanging out for four five, six hours. And all of our kids are going swimming and they're hanging out and they're running around the property. And man, that makes all the difference in the world. It makes it very, very easy, um, to get up, you know, the people that I get to, to, to spend that time with. If I'm not getting to spend it with my wife and kids who would obviously be my first choice of spending any time with. Mm-hmm. then it's great to have these people who are still family too, that you get to do that. And those are the people that you're looking for. Oh, I love that. So good, brother. Thank you. <laughs> so good, man. No, that's great. That's great, man. It's just, I would take that. And it's just that, that story from the rock too. I'd never heard that. I didn't see that post. Yeah. And that was like so impactful. Man. It was like, and I, I think of that often because the, for quite a few months there, when I was going through a rough period, I found my interactions with people online um, were not, I was irritated about some situations in my life and I was allowing that to dictate my interactions with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, wow, that's really, first off, number one, and it's not, I'm not, it's not being a good representation of, of me being a Christ follower. And number two is that um, I'm allowing, I'm allowing these other existential factors, I'm allowing that to make yep. me feel a certain way. Yep. And that is dictating how I'm interacting with other people. It was making right. me feel like crap, right? right? So it was just like kind of a like aha moment. I was like, man, like that's really crappy. And so literally it was like a, just a change for me from then on. I was like, when people care enough about me or they respect um, the content that I put out or whatever it is that I do, they respect that enough that they want to show up and ask me a question or that they value my opinion then I would prefer to make them feel good about asking me than to make yeah. them feel like crap about it. Right. Yeah, totally, man. Oh, so good. So this, one of the, one of the last questions on the list here, that's my favorite question uh, of all. And so this kind of strikes to where, 
um, you know, where you might be counterculture. So the question is, what is a piece of common knowledge that everybody knows, man? Everybody knows this is true about whatever in life. This is true. But Paul Carter goes, yeah, man, but I kind of disagree with the crowd on that. Everybody knows this is true, but I, I tend to disagree. I don't think that's really the way it is. Um, man, that would be, I don't know how much time that we have because that, would, <laughs> that defines, <laughs> say if you ask most people that would define me wholly is that, um, I believe that there's a multitude of potential social ideologies that we ascribe to quite often. Um, and I say quite often because one of my big things when I went through years of therapy is that I had to undo was those not using absolutes. So when somebody says like, it's like it, it actually changes the way that you think. Yeah, yeah. You say, well, always, never, yeah. all the time, that kind of right. stuff changes. Like it literally rewires your brain. Yeah. You said, what does everybody think that I don't agree? Well, I think there's, there's sometimes some overriding social constructs or ideologies that quite often people ascribe to that come up at various times. And um, like, I, I mean, I'd have to, the only one that I can think of that really pops up and I, I that pops up in my head, like right now at this very moment, is actually more a spiritual based one. And it, it really drives me nuts to this day. And that is the one you get, you hear repeated a lot. And as um, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that is the absolute load of bullshit. That's crap. That's crap. <laughs> load of bullshit. I've heard Christian, other Christians repeat that. I'm like, what the, I was like, sometimes it's okay. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, what would be the whole point of having, that relationship with God, if I could just handle everything on my own, like I don't, then I don't need it. Right. Like what's the whole point of trying to have this relationship with somebody that I feel like that I can lean on. I'm like, life is too much right now, but I know you got me. Yeah. Like what is like that? That's saying that God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm like, well then I don't need it. <laughs> I'm all set. Yeah. Dude. Oh, that's a good way to, I never thought of it like that. That's good. Yeah. It's like God, like I feel like God oftentimes when he wants us to grow or just like when life gets us rose, like it's like we get the more than we can handle. Like I can't, this is too much. Clearly some people get more than they can handle. Yeah. But I think from a, from that, from the spiritual walking aspect in there is like, absolutely. God gives us more than we can handle at times. And that's when I, a lot of times as I try to, I feel like that that's when he wants us to become more intimate with him and in our relationship. Right. Because otherwise what's the point of having it? That's so good, man. If not going to try to grow and have a deeper intimate relationship with him. Yeah. Um, then why is it that, um, you know, if I can just do this all on my own, if it's, if I can handle everything. I'm all set. Yeah, I'm good to go, man. I don't need anything. So I think that's from a spiritual aspect. That is definitely my biggest pet peeve is when people say that, well, God will never, not God will never yeah. give anything he can handle. Cause I'm like, well, that's not true. I think it's great, man. I think yeah. it's great. That's, a, that's a definitely a common adage. I've definitely never looked at it. Uh, definitely never looked at it that way. And, and I thought you were going to say something along the lines of like, dude, I can still crush these three pizzas and stay lean. Cause you post that sometimes too. And I'm like, I love, <laughs> I love, I love the fact that you're doing it, dude. I look at some of your spread sometime and I'm like, Oh, and then the next day you're like, and I'm still shredded. Uh, so yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's true. Like one meal is not going to, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask me like, give, give, give me the topics. Like that's my spiritual one. Oh, but I love that. I think that's a, I think that's a better answer and it's a much more genuine answer from the holistic. I think you can crush three pizzas and still stay shredded as long as you're, is, you know, the thing is, is that if you were, if you were to break that down into different categories and there, there would be different things i think yeah for sure 
But I, that is, tends to be, as soon as you, I try to go with what my, what my, like, just immediately comes to thought. And that's the first thing. Yeah, like, I, I hear that so often in spiritual circles from other Christians. And mm-hmm. There's even like, there's even like, uh, you go to the, like the store, like a, a like a, uh, a Christian bookstore or something, they'll have that in a frame somewhere. And I want to take that and like throw it out of the store because I'm like, this is such yeah. crap, right? And so, um, that's just the immediate one that came to mind is yeah, that I think it's great, man. Well, what he gave, he gave Noah a giant freaking flood, right? So he must've just known, you know, Noah was a complete badass and didn't need him. He just, he just, Noah had it covered. You know? Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I absolutely. I think the, the point of, of the heart of our hardships and James wrote about this, it's in James and talks about how our sufferings leave us and our perseverance right through sufferings leave us, uh, make us more complete and lacking in nothing. Right. Like that's the whole point. That's that's and when you when you when you bring that into the in the in the modern fold, like what that is is what we've just talked kind of the, the the theme of what we've talked about throughout this whole thing is that all of these trials and valleys and these some of these dark waters that we have to swim through at times, right? Like they exist to give us an opportunity to arrive at a sense of completeness. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't arrive there, but we get to at least we get to places where we know that we're better. Right. We're, I know that I'm better than I was yep. last month. I know that I was, I'm better than I was, you know, two years ago. I know that I'm better than I was 10 years ago. Like I set up, I had this conversation with my former wife the other day. And she's always the one that, that like kicks me right in the nuts. Like when I need it the most, but yep. like, so if I get a compliment for her, it's, it's always going to be hundred percent genuine. Yeah. And you know, she tells me all the time. She's like, the man that you are today is 20 fold better than the man that you were 10 years ago. That's awesome. You can't, can I get a better compliment from somebody than that? Yeah. You know, when we got a divorce and she, like, she tells me all the time, she's like the man you are today. She's like, I'm so proud of who you became through those hard times after we split and everything. That's awesome. And the way you took ownership of your life. Um, and I went through, you talked earlier, like, you know, about being a great dad, like after, um, after the divorce, and I've always been transparent about this too, um, is like after the divorce, like my girls, they didn't, they did not like me. Yeah. My kids didn't like me. And, um, it got worse over the, over those years because I was struggling and I was going through like depressions about a multitude of things. And so like my girls didn't got to a point where like they didn't want to stay with me. Yeah. They didn't like me. They didn't feel like they could connect with me. And um, so like, I, I, like I put myself in therapy. I went through a multitude of like courses. I read books. I did everything to start. I was like, I don't, I don't want to live here. Yeah. I don't want to live here. I don't want, I don't want to live in this place. And I don't, this is not the person that I want to be. And I was not happy with who I was as a man every day. That's a really difficult place to wake up to in your life is to where you don't feel like you're a very good man. For sure. Your, your children are a reflection of that when the fact that they don't want to stay with you, that you know that they don't come to you to talk to you. And I had to work and work and work and work. And over the past two years, I had a multitude of breakthroughs with them through various conversations and things that happen. And now, and I can say this, like, like I said, I've always been transparent with my life. Like my relationship with my girls today is the best it's ever been. So, and like my girls actually, um, and even they even say this in front of my former wife, like they're like, we go to dad when we need to talk to somebody. That's awesome. Like that is everything, to, that, man. everything yeah. to me. You know, we had, we just had a conversation. I had to have a family meeting um, last weekend because my youngest, um, she's been her and her mother. She's, yeah, I have three girls. And so girls tend to battle with their mothers as they go through teenage years. Sure. It's just really common. 
but um she said she sat there and she, you know they they've been having like some some tug of war back and forth and i'm like you know so talk to talk to your mother about why it is that you know you're having problems with her and one of the things she said was she said the reason why that I get upset, she said, is because when I go to dad, he makes me feel heard and he makes me feel understood. And she's like, and I don't get that with you, man. After the conversation was over, I went into my car and I cried for like 15 minutes because yeah. I'm like, now I'm going to get emotional on your podcast. Yeah, man, I, I like, worked I so hard to be yep. here. I yep. worked so hard to get to that place. To where I literally, like my little girl would say that, like, if I need to feel heard, if I need to feel understood, if I need to feel loved with what I'm struggling with right now, I know I can go to dad. I can go to dad and get that. And to go from where I was years ago, um, where like they couldn't come to me about, it. they didn't feel like they could come to me about anything. And then their perception of who I was as a man, yeah. it wasn't good to now the point where they're like, if we need to feel loved, if we need to connect with somebody, we go to dad because we're going to yeah. get that took a lot of work. That took a lot of introspection. That took a lot. And that took, I failed. Like it wasn't a lot of people when they think about personal growth, they think of it almost like lifting. Like you just get bigger. Linear. Linear curve. Dude, it's a lot of failures. It's far from it's linear. Failures yeah, along the way, but you, you've got to wake up and you've got to keep stretching yourself into those really uncomfortable places. Okay, man. You have to be introspective enough to say, man, I'm really messed up in the, this one area right now. And that's what I talked about before. When you feel that anxiety, because like my girls would, when they would start using certain language with me, I would get upset. And then when you're upset, you want to respond away. And then boom, now you just severed that connection, that, that yeah. moment where you can make intimate connection, right? But I worked and worked and worked at that until I got to a point where they could say certain these things like this to me. And then I, in knowing all this work I did, I would say, talk to me about why you feel that way. Yeah. yeah. And that is boom, that's connection right there, yeah. right there in that moment when you say, talk to me about why you feel that way. Help me understand why you feel this way. Yep. You're all you're giving an invitation for them to at least there's an invitation to be vulnerable. There's an yeah. inv invitation to create intimacy and connection. And the more often you can do that every time, then the more you'll grow together, the more you'll understand each other better. And then that relationship flourishes, and then you end up in this really positive set point so that when you do have a problem, it doesn't it doesn't totally kick you off and then you're not at odds all over again. And faster and better and then you just yep. grow through those parts too so yep. those were all the things that I had to learn as even like as a father but you know and I've done I've, like it's, it's hard sometimes to trans, transfer and translate those things into your um, emotional life unless you're doing a, a good job of the same way like you're not allowing circumstances and instances to create that anxiety where that anxiety is controlling you but um, I don't even know what the question was. I just got out. Yeah, no, it's great. Anytime dude. I start talking about my little girls, man, I just like just. Oh have, man, I get it, dude. I get it. As a daddy, man, I get it. I 100% get it. And it made my, you know, I'm. Uh, I might have been like a week ago, a couple weeks ago. Obviously, you'll know. But uh, there was something you posted too, is you and one of your little girls, and you guys were just in a car, and she was rocking out, and I mean, you guys were listening to music and two together, man. And it's just as you know, from dad's dad, another dad of, it's, I've got a couple girls, you know, two of my three are the little ladies too, man. And it's just, uh, you know, and I know a little bit about what you've gone through. That was a big. I was I was happy to see that for you too, man. It's a good. Yeah, thing. I mean, like for example, there's there's so many little breakthroughs, and the thing is, when like I said, when you have those valleys, all those things become so much more meaningful on the other side of it all because this past January when my birthday came around, my oldest daughter didn't speak to me for three years. And like probably six months 
like like halfway through the year 2019, which is, it was an infinitely better year than this year. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> hard not so, to find so one. Like through hard. 2019, we her and I started we started connecting again because she saw how happy her baby sister was. Yeah. And that was because of our relationship, and she just my, you know she just blossomed. So she was like, "What's going on with Naomi and Dad?" And they were like, "He's just like a different person now." And um, so she opened up to work with me, but there's like that little landmark moment was on my day before my birthday. I'm not going to cry on your podcast. Day <laughs> before my birthday um, is that my oldest daughter texts me. She's like, what do you want? Wow. I got to do this. She's yeah, like, she texts me. She's like, what do you want to do for your birthday tomorrow? And that was like after big deal years of her not talking to me for her to text me and ask me that yeah, man. So like another moment where I just like just yeah. waterworks for like hours that whole yeah. day just joy and elation to work so hard to get there into those places and you just you you cherish it more than you could have ever imagined for sure and there's so many people that take that for granted that you know that maybe they've never lost something. Loss teaches you the value of something so intimately, right? Like when you lose something, it teaches you to the depths of what that really meant to you. Yeah. Like there, I can't remember what the Hindu philosopher said. It was a love knows not its value until the hour of departing or something like that. Yeah, but man. It's, but that's, it's, that's the absolute truth. And I remember, and this is not anywhere near as philosophical as it was what you just said, but I remember Rogan on a podcast saying like, man, I find the value in my, he related it to his own couch. He's like, man, I, I find the value in my couch after I've actually had a really hard day of being on my feet the whole time, working really hard, working out really hard. That's when I find the value in the couch. Otherwise you just take the couch for granted, but he was making the reference to the reality of that. Oh, something as simple as a couch. Super simple, man. But we see the other side. That's when you take value of what, you know, of what you got. And that's that, that excites it, me. To hear you, that. Don't, yeah, you don't always know sinking into something that gives you comfort when you lose that thing that gives you comfort and it's absolutely taken away from you yeah. you come to an utter realization and awakening yep. the degree of magnitude that that was giving you comfort in your life you know it's like you wake up every day and you had somebody in your life that you talked to that you connected with that, that you loved and you cherished and suddenly that's just gone yeah it's the impact of it can it, it can be it can be so big yeah you can be like, wow, like I, I, the, I feel the absence of, of what that was of this, either this person or this thing or whatever. Like it's, it's so um, enormously expressed yeah. in this. Moment. Yeah. You feel the weight on it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, being able to, a lot of times I think that we, we end up experiencing the loss to teach us the true meaning and value of what it is that, Hey, it's like, I don't want to lose that again. So let me actually appreciate it, nurture it, cherish it, show it the attention, give it the priority in my life that it, it really serves if I want to yeah, keep. Yeah, the intentionality behind it. Right. Yeah, so good, man. So last question that's on, on the list here is, so a kind of a final, if you have a favorite quote, if this was going to be something on your headstone and Paul's got to put one saying, um, whether it's your own words or whether it's a quote from somebody else, what would kind of be your go-to? What is that final piece of wisdom, the the legacy that you're leaving the world? Oh man. Um, if like, if it's just like, if somebody buries me, um, I guess the thing that like my philosophical viewpoint is that 
I feel like it's kind of like, gosh, I don't want to, I hate to quote Billy Bob Thornton, but in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say you will be the first yeah. <laughs> on this podcast anyways. Like Billy Bob Thornton, but, um, in, and I think it was Friday night lights. Okay. He talks about what perfection is being perfect and being perfect essentially to him was living life, um, with a full heart, knowing that you gave your all and that you love people the best that you could. Yeah. And I always love that definition of perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. Because perfection is not, not something that, um, can like truly be obtained. And not only that, but everybody's, when you think about this philosophically is that everybody's idea of perfection is different anyway. Yeah. So, no doubt. Right? Like your idea of perfection yeah. is totally different than mine. So what perfection, I like his definition of perfection was being able to walk through life and just being able to look back and say, at some point, I know I started giving the best that I could give. Yeah. I loved people to the fullest of my ability. I love it, man. It, I love and I feel like that is a, a, a really great example of trying to achieve quote unquote perfection so because you're going to miss the mark but if you feel like you're like i'm really i am absolutely doing the best that i can with what i can work with right now in this moment and i know that i'm showing up every day trying to give the greatest amount of love and consideration and empathy and understanding and connection and everything that i can give in this moment with these people that i love and cherish and care about and if you can do that i feel like that that's about the most Perfect life that you can about as good as it can get, man. I listened to a conversation this morning on my way here with uh, with one of my personal heroes, Jeff Sandifer, is one of the uh, the the founders of this Acton Academy Network in general, and and um, just a brilliant human being. And and somebody asked him something something similar, and, and he was talking about um, you know a lot of our young students, a lot of our young heroes going off and doing these interviews with people at the various ages. And he said inevitably, um, you know, when you get to kind of the the later on life stage of some of these people, he said they all essentially were asked, you know, they were asking them something about a, a fulfilling life. And they said, look, it basically boils down to being able to look back and, and think that you did something meaningful, right? You, you, uh, you loved a certain number of people and you had a certain number of people that, that loved you and you know, you loved them as well as you could. And they loved, you know, they loved you and, and that ultimately you were kind of a good person that was trying to put some good out in the world. You know, you get to that point. Um, I mean, that's, that's it. Like that is, that is the legacy. It ends up being a very simple pursuit. It's not an easy it pursuit. It is. Like it, it's like it, I said, it comes back to the, to the grant study is like your life ultimately usually ends up being defined by the relationships that you're building in. That's exactly right. right. I mean, and if you don't like you think about it, like no matter what, I remember reading this article years ago or this therapist was talking about the fact that one of her clients was this billionaire CEO. Yeah. And despite the fact that he was considered like this, this boss in business and this go getter and this unbelievably genius, bright mind business, that kind of stuff. The guy had never been able to cultivate one single deeply romantic, intimate relationship in his life because he yeah. just did not, he didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And like his ultimately, and I read that and it made me sad because I was like, this guy was, he was such a, a bright mind, yeah. so intelligent in that particular endeavor in his life. But he was so distraught and depressed all the time because he had sure. that deep connection with the person. Sure. Ultimately, we all end up longing for that. For sure. For that. We're wired for that. And without that, there's going to be a sense of incompleteness in our life. And I thought about the fact his legacy might have been that he built all this stuff, but who was going to be around to miss him as 
as a person and nobody in his life he felt like truly knew him other than that business component of who he was. That's it, man. And then when he's on that proverbial deathbed, what he's going to feel is regret. You right. Know? He already did. He already did. did. he already did. Right. Like he made billions of dollars and it didn't fail. This is the part. And I've got, I think I probably even got some friends like this in my life. He had billions of dollars, didn't fill that hole in his life that he just wanted with one person that showed up each day that made him feel like he was truly seen for who he was. Yep. So good, man. So good, brother. So much good stuff. So if people want to go find out more about what you got going on, want to follow you, follow the work that you're doing. Um, and I highly recommend that they do. What are, what are some good places to send them? Um, if you just, if you Google lift, run, bang, lift, run, bang, lift, run, bang, it's pretty much going to find me somewhere. Yeah, man. It comes I, up I, I at some point to have a legitimate website. Uh, <laughs> I kind of almost feel like personal websites are almost obsolete at this point anymore though. Anyway, with social media and, and but yeah, at some point I'll probably actually get a real website done. But um, yeah, if you Google Lift Run Bang, generally I think at this point if you Google my name, Paul Carter, you'll you're find number me one. Somewhere. You're yeah. number one, dude. And I don't, I Google Paul Carter, my number one. You're number. So I don't know if that's based on my search history because I've searched more. But I mean, you are far. If I just put Paul Carter in, it's far and away you before I ever get to some other dude that was an author that's uh, much skinnier than you are. So I, yeah, dude, uh, it's uh you are far and away, but lift, run, bang too. And are you still taking personal clients as well? Are you taking yeah, on? Anybody dude, right absolutely. Now? Yeah. I've, I've been fortunate enough that I've, I not only kept, but I've, I've grown um, my clients in some ways. A lot of people, there's still a lot of people out there that have lots of home gym equipment that yeah. still want to improve. Uh, now there is time. So yeah, I still got slots open for people. I have lost, I like most people, I have lost uh, quite a few people who, you know, I lost their jobs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I've got, um, I've got openings for clients and I'll be releasing a carb cycling book for fat loss uh, here in the next couple of weeks as well, which I have run, I think it's six different coaching groups with at least 50 people in each one yeah. over the last couple of years. Um, it's kind of like my own personal like yeah. study. Yeah. And the, the results have been tremendous. So I'm really excited about this. I had uh, my friend Alan Aragon, yeah. um, who's one of the best guys in the field of nutrition. Right. He went over the whole book and was like, dude, this is phenomenal. Um, and I've had some other guys uh, that have put it into effect with great results. So I'm pretty excited about the book uh, being released. Um, Where can and, we find that? Um, well, the, like, I'll, I'll end up creating <laughs> a link on my on my. Yeah. On my just on my blog where people cool. can download it, but it, it'll be ebook, and then I think I'll probably end up releasing it for Kindle at some point too. But uh, I'm excited um, about that, and then um, the Train Heroic training application uh, that'll be launched over over the next. I think we're probably going to do a home version of it for people who have minimal equipment, and then we'll do a, um, a more expanded version um, for people later. And then um, so I've got all those things in the work uh, for this year. Um, I am 100% highly single right now. <laughs> like a lot of, a lot of people be like, like one of my major goals, and we talked about this before we started recording, is uh, is that I do want to get married. And I, I yeah, really man. think there's guys that set out, you know, I'm actually doing like work. I'm like, what does my partner look like? You know, like what's this this person? I don't want to just get married for the sake of getting married, but I definitely I want to share my life with a person. Like I'm here's the thing. I read this a while back, and I thought that defines my life perfectly. Um, I'm happy with my life and long for my partner. Yeah. And I think you can have those. I don't yeah. think that they, they're, they, yeah. I don't think they, um, they fight with each other. I think that you can absolutely be happy with the life that you're cultivating, creating, and still long for a person to share that with. You're ready. A hundred percent. 
And that's kind of, you know, where I'm at at this point is like, um, I'm, I'm pretty successful. Um, I feel like I've been a good place in my life to, to share with a person, but it's definitely got to be the right person. And it's got to be somebody who wants to wake up every day and understand how to get to a relationship. So, Oh, I love it. Well, I've got I tell you what, one of the things we just found out is that we've got a big listenership in the like 35 to 45 year old lady range. We have a big listenership, which we didn't realize, which is cool. And I have a lot of uh, friends and clients out there in the KC area too, man. So I'm just saying, I'm just yeah. saying. No, that's another area in my life. I'm, 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 I'm completely just trusting God in as to is like, I feel like if I just continue to, um, to, to build my life out. Yep. That, that the person that I'm supposed to share it with, if I'm doing the work that I need to do, um, I don't know who that is. That's exactly it, man. And that's how that's true for everything in life. You're doing the work you need to do. The rest of it's going to end up being able to take care of itself right there. And God, and Hey, and don't forget, God's not going to give you anything more than you can handle. I, I yeah, <laughs> I'm going to send you a t-shirt with that. on other, there. Oh, well, that's the other thing, right? Oh, you, if you wanted, you said if there's a saying I, I want this was the other one that I really love. Yeah. What's meant for you will not miss you. What's meant for you will not pass you by. And and the hardest of times, I feel like that is such a good thing that you can remind yourself of is like when you have seasons, you know, in your life, whether it's 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 with a breakup or this romantic relationship or friendships or jobs or whatever, like these seasons, what's really meant for you is not gonna miss you. What's really meant for you in this life is not gonna miss you or pass you by. So good, man. It allows for some peace. What that's supposed to that it was supposed to it's supposed to fit into the, the shapes um, and the contours of who you are is going to arrive there and, and fit in and click perfectly with what it is that you need out of this life. It is, as long as you're doing the work, because if you're doing the work, I feel like that you, what is meant for you is going to arrive uh, with, a, with a bang, with totally. a thought. Totally. So good, man. Brother, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time um, and great to connect and, and to chat again and to be able to do it on this forum, man. It's a, that's a big deal, man. And I appreciate it so much. Absolutely, man. I had a great time. There you go. Head over to liftrunbang.com. Um, and I highly just recommend following anything that this guy puts out, man. He's just got so much good stuff. And again, whether you agree or disagree is not the, is not the thing. But to see somebody uh, living in a very genuine fashion, who's very open, very honest, uh, willing to share his opinions, not filtering and not playing down to uh, public opinion no matter what, uh, is just always a refreshing thing, man. That's something I admire greatly. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please feel free, share comment uh, let people know what we got going on and always if you can leave those reviews man that helps us out a great deal so we will catch you guys next time on the essential 11